0: I have talked to uh, a lot of people in the church over the years, and I have never heard one person, man, woman, or child, say, I'm reading the Bible a little bit too much. And on the flip side, I think I've talked to thousands of people that have said, I should be reading the Bible more than I am. I really know in my heart of hearts that that's a calling and, and I want to be obedient, and I feel kind of guilty because I'm just not in the Word that much. It's a combination of condemnation from the enemy, saying you're not earning God's love, or he's mad at you because you're not reading, and then there's a, con- and then there's a, a mixture of conviction in there, because we know, we know that we're to, to be students of the Word, to devote ourselves to the Word. Well, a couple of weeks ago, our brother Drew stood up here and shared about the importance of honoring the Word. And he, and he shared multiple examples, and he talked about being a people of the Word, especially in this last hour, that we would not release that, that we would hang on to the truth of Scripture. And we would guard, even with our children uh, during this last hour, that our children would be, they would walk straight and true. Stories like this make a boy grow bold. Stories like this make a man walk straight. And we, and we want to do that. And so it was such a good, sober, helpful Word. And I had something on my heart I wanted to share then. I didn't do it last week, so I'm going gonna, gonna to pick up where he left off. So I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would, with me. And he spent some time here with this. I want to start there and then uh, finish up with uh, uh, what I hope will be helpful to you throughout the scriptures today. Got, got several scriptures to look at, so uh, get your thumbs ready. We'll do some sword drills today, and the winner gets extra dessert at the end. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, start there uh, with me in verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, is at the end of the end of the end. Paul's almost done here. But as for you, Timothy, this is the last thing he wants to say to him. Continue in what you have learned, verse 14, and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Drew kind of backed up and went back to deception and why he was talking about this at this part in the story here. But it's so good in this age where the enemy comes in just like he did at the very beginning, and he says, did God really say? Because the Psalm says that the Lord has exalted above all, na- above all things his word, even above his name. And so the first attack in the garden was not God's character or who he is. The first attack was on his words. And just like that today, Did God really say, as Drew said, Jesus is the only way? Does Jesus have to be God to lead us to? Is the Bible truly inerrant? Is there really a hell? Did God really say? And so we're we're in a muddy mess right now with these questions. And it's actually supposedly engaged as a high and noble thing to go into those questions. I'm not afraid to ask the hard questions. Well, that's halfway true and it's halfway false. False. We don't go into questions like that as believers. We stay with the word. Eve entered into the dialogue, did God really say, and she was gone. She should have said, God said. Adam should have been there anyway, but they both should have said, God said, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. It is written. But she said, well, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, what he said was, and then she starts adding to questions, questions, questions. It seems noble, but it's dangerous, I'm telling you. So all scripture is useful, it's, it's powerful, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Now, I could point out a thousand scriptures to you about the benefit of the word of God, and I've just lifted 15. <clears throat> and I want you to stay with me through this, because we're gonna start at the back of the book and kind of go forward here, and we'll, we'll have them up there on the screen, But I wanna tell you about this. I want you to picture with me a treasure chest in a dark room. And I want you to picture that treasure chest with the lid just bubbling up and down. And there's a lock on the lid. But inside that treasure chest is nuclear power. Think about that with me in your mind. Think of a treasure chest, gold ornate on the outside. The lid is literally just trembling with the power that's inside and you can see little shafts of light coming up. That's what I want to demonstrate to you here in just a minute. This book, I love my Bible. Don't you love your Bible, guys? I love how it tastes. It's like honey. I didn't used to love my Bible, but I love the Word of God. This is a living book. It's actually a collection of 66 books, but it's a living document. I don't read the Bible. The Bible reads me, right? Right? I don't unpack the Bible. The Bible unpacks me. It's a dangerous book. It's a powerful book. This thing is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We so honor the word. So go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. If you don't want to flip there, just listen to this. Take to heart, verse 46. Deuteronomy 32, 46. Moses says, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. I hear pages turning, so I'm going to start over because it's worth it. Take to heart, all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. Listen, they are not just idle words for you. They are your Life. By them, you will live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Not idle words. These words are actually living. They are your life. It says after that, you remember in Matthew chapter 4, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth. They're your life in Deuteronomy 32. They're your food in Matthew chapter 4 you feeling hungry inside spiritually? Are you feeling a little bit dead inside spiritually? What's your time in the Word like? How many minutes a day? How many minutes a week? How many minutes a month? What's the intake like? I wonder if that's an answer for you and for me today. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 16. The requirement of the Scripture is that it be listened to. This is a powerful passage. We're talking about the rich man and Lazarus here, Luke chapter 16. The rich man says to Lazarus in verse 27, I beg you, send Lazarus to my family. He's begging Abraham, sorry. The rich man is saying, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They've got Torah. They have the writings They have that. Let them listen to them. Let them listen. No, he says, no way, Father Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And then he says one of the most fascinating, powerful, amazing verses in the entire Bible about what you're holding in your hand, right here. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets then they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even someone named Lazarus, right, rises from the dead. It's required that we listen, two ears and one mouth, double portion of so that we can believe. Because if we don't listen to the word, then we won't believe no matter what signs and wonders and miracles take place. Well, what else is interesting about this is John chapter 5. All the scriptures in John chapter 5, starting in verse 38, all the scriptures testify about Jesus. Go with me to verse 38. Nor does his word dwell in you, he says to the Pharisees, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about Who? Jesus. Everything in the Bible from beginning to end is about Jesus. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Because see, what the Pharisees were doing was a very high and a very noble thing. They searched the scriptures diligently. But how many of you have met people that know a lot of Bible and they can quote it, but their character is horrible? Or how many, you know, famous people that have that just, they, they can quote a lot, but they have nothing to back it up on the character side. And the Pharisees, the ones that put Jesus on the cross, knew the Bible better than anyone at the time because they missed him. They missed the whole point of the scriptures. And it's entirely possible for you and me to miss the understanding that he has for us because the measure of our understanding of the scriptures is directly related related to the measure of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Our revelation of Jesus and who he is directly correlates to how deep we go in the scriptures. It's a powerful moment here. The scriptures... Do not save us. The scriptures make us wise unto salvation, 2 Timothy 3. The scriptures lead us to the banqueting table. Jesus himself is the life. He is the word. And so as it's been said, uh, Sam has said before, it's like the scriptures are like the fork and the knife that gets us up to the buffet table of Christ Jesus and his word. Well, it says right after this in John In verse 46 and 47, if you believe Moses, you would believe what he wrote. You would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? The scriptures must be listened to, Luke 16. You have to understand the scriptures are all about Jesus, John 5. And then later on, John 5, you have to believe what was written. They must be believed in. John chapter 10 says the scriptures cannot be broken. He says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the father has set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Not one jot or tittle will will disappear from the law until all things are fulfilled. Let every man be called a liar and let God be true. The scriptures through and through cannot be broken. The scriptures, Acts chapter 7 are living. I said that earlier. It's living and active. It says here in Acts chapter 7 verse 38, when he was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, he, Moses, received living words to pass on to us. Not idle words, but living words. Words that change us. Words that unlock the mystery of life. Again, I'm describing this treasure chest right here. Stay with me. Nuclear power inside of this. The word, Acts chapter 7, verse 53, it says, was given through angels. It's confirmed again in Hebrews. It's given through angels. In Galatians chapter 3, it was imparted to Moses on the mountaintop. Acts chapter 17 talks about the Bereans. The word must be received with eagerness and examined daily to see if it's true. The Bereans were more noble, it says, than those in Thessalonica because they received it and they examined it. That's the word. Acts chapter 17 says, they're our source of reason and logic. Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures. Acts chapter 19 says, the word of God increases and spreads widely and grows in power and it prevails. Romans chapter 15 says, the word teaches us endurance. It provides encouragement. The word gives us hope. First Timothy 4, just what we did, it says the word should be read publicly. And 2 Peter chapter 1 says, the word was written not by the opinion of man, but it was written by men carried along by the Holy Spirit. It was penned by the Holy Spirit. 15 things. I could have said a hundred more. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The unfolding of your word gives light. Psalms 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your words. The grass withers, Isaiah 40, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And we all know this, and yet we say to each other, I should be reading the word more. I know I should be reading the word more. I give myself minutes a day, if that, or minutes a week in the words. Because... The word is boring and it does not capture our attention and our affection. Anybody wanna say yes and amen to that? But it's true, isn't it? If I paid you $100,000 for spending 15 minutes in the word the next seven days and on Sunday I paid you a check for 100000 you would do it because you value that much money for a 15-minute investment. So when we see the word for what it is, better than gold and silver, the psalmist says, then we actually go devote ourselves to that. But if it's boring and we see it as a dusty book, then we don't give ourselves to it. And that's the truth. I've lived there. I've lived there. The worst offender in the room, I promise. So let's, let's talk about that just a minute here. We have a living book, powerful. It's in a lockbox and we can look at the outside of it we can skim the surface but there's required a key to unlock that box and this is what i mainly want to talk about today we have been given precious words just like the pharisees had you know lots of people have this and they miss the whole point but this is what happens this is the, this is the transition that has to happen in each one of our lives go with me to luke chapter 24 Go to verse 25. They're talking about Jesus, how they didn't see him. They're on the road to Emmaus. They said, we didn't see Jesus. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And then Jesus says to them in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, verse 27, and all the prophets, he explained, he interpreted, he translated to them all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself. All the Bible about Jesus. I would love to have heard that sermon, by the way. I don't know about you. I don't know where he started, but I'd love to hear that. It's probably good we didn't because we'd spend all of our time on... Anyway, as they approached the village, they, they, they urged him to stay with us, and he does, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they looked at, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Well, a little while later, he appears to them. He appears to his disciples and he says, go to verse uh, 44. This is what I told you I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses and the prophet's and the Psalms. There it is, everything about Jesus. And then verse 45, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Now this word opening is fascinating. It's it's to open by dividing. Uh, Another way it's used is like the first child in the womb opens the womb and comes forth. And it's, it's, it's to open by tearing something asunder or to rouse in one the facility or the faculty for understanding. So what I'm trying to say to you is the only way to get that box unlocked is through Jesus. He is the one that must open our minds to understand the scriptures. Look what he did here. He opened their eyes. When he break the, breaks the bread, he opened their eyes and they recognized him. He opened their hearts. Verse 32, they said, we're not our hearts burning within us when he unpacked the scriptures to us on the road. And then in verse 45, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What does that mean? It means we're closed up. And there's nothing that's going to get out or get through until Jesus unlocks that. That's my story. That's what happened for me. Raised in the church, heard a thousand sermons, read my Bible a lot, had no idea who Jesus really was. And it wasn't until August of 2004 that a man sat down with me and taught me to see Jesus in the scriptures. He taught me to do it. And all of a sudden, it became like an exciting journey for me to go deeper. And I began to devour the scroll, little by little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And then it was when I was 25 years old, I'm sitting in a prayer room and Dr. Coons is sitting in there and he gives me a prophetic word of encouragement. He said, I see a vision of buffalo on the hill. And there's only a few of them. They're good bison, but there's only a few. But the next vision I see is the hill is covered with bison. I don't know what that means, he said. I said, I do. It's the meat. I'm to move from milk To solid food. I've had some scripture. Now I'm supposed to be a student of the scripture. So at 25 years old, I pray, Lord, by the time I'm 35, I want to be a man of your word. By the grace of God, I want to be a man of your word. So, I did good for a week, and then I did bad. And I got discouraged. Like I always did. I don't have the self-discipline to pull this off. I commit to the Lord to being there every day for this much time. I make it a week or two or three and then I just, it, I just don't do well. And my main problem is my self-discipline, I said to myself. Well, the enemy loves that. And I guarantee you I'm not the only one in this room that has said this or made that commitment a 100 times what I realized was that I did not have a self-discipline problem. I was extremely self-disciplined to lots and lots and lots of things that I cared about. What I had was a problem with my will. And what I had was a problem with the desires of my heart. I saw this as a task, as a duty, right? Not as food. And so what I had to pray over and over and over was, Lord, break my will, not my will, but your will be done. Let your will be done. I prayed it. And I prayed Psalms 119, 18, over and over and over. I prayed it again today. Lord, open my eyes that I can behold wondrous things in your law. Jesus in me has no self-discipline problems. Amen? Amen. He is I, the fruit of the Spirit is self control. I have absolute power in the Holy Spirit to go give myself to the Word. So, has nothing to do with my self control, had everything to do with my will. It has nothing to do with my intelligence, because I don't have that good of a memory. And so I was around people that really knew the Bible, just locked and loaded, like they could just recall scriptures, and my mind didn't work like that. I would have to write notes to remind myself where scriptures were, and I really was down on myself a lot about that. I don't have the mind of like an intelligent student here. I'm not very good at remembering this. I'll read it in the morning and forget about it in the afternoon. And it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with my intelligence and everything to do with my availability. In fact, what I found out is the Lord prefers the weaker ones. He prefers the ones that are like, hey, I'm weak and I need help, but I'm showing up every day. And I want you to transform me from the inside out. And what happens? Behold, I got his word in my heart and I started remembering better. He made me wise unto salvation. It has nothing to do with your perfection, and it has everything to do with your simple obedience. Guys, why couldn't Achan stand in front of his enemies on the field of battle? Anybody remember? Because what was buried? Under his tent, remember? The robe and the gold and the, from, from, from this beautiful, the, from, Babel, from, from Jericho, he stole what was devoted to destruction. So he couldn't stand in front of his enemies. What's required is not perfection, But we talked about this last week. If there's hidden sin in your heart, then you're not going to be getting a lot out of this book, no matter how much you serve and effort and try. If you're battling right now to just simply obey, then the Lord's like, just say yes to me, and I will unlock mysteries to you that you've never dreamed of before. Nothing to do with perfection, everything to do with simple obedience that the Lord has for you. Did anybody see the video last week of Steph Curry making 14 shots in a row during warm-up? Yeah, Steph Curry, basketball player. Starts at the top of the key, makes a three. Hi, Brian. Steps back, another three. Steps back. He's almost to half court. And then he starts working his way back in. And then the last one, he throws it really high, really high up, and it goes in the basket. 14 in a row. Go watch it. It's almost unbelievable to watch during warm-ups. Brian Paulser, if you, want, you know, if you want to look like Brian Paulser, you know, you don't step into the gym once a week every other month, right? <laughs> if, if you want to shoot like Steph Curry, you got to take 10,000 hours to get to that point, Right? where does that come from? And, and, and there's a disassociation from the life in the word and being a man or a woman of the word from that simple reality. It's like, it's like uh, lines of code, Mike Bickle says, rewriting our mind. Every time we go to the scripture, we're literally getting a new line of code. We're literally being transformed as we expose ourselves to the word, and it unpacks us we think differently. And you might feel like you're accomplishing nothing. A lot of times I go to the Word and I'm, I feel like I'm just trudging through. I promise you the Word is true. You are being transformed. As, you get, as, you, as your mind becomes aligned with the truth and reality, you begin to be transformed as you think differently. It's line upon line. It's precept upon precept. It's Showing up to a workout, stretching your muscles, feeling them burn, feeling them tear, and they're built up. Then you show up again. You stretch your muscles. You're a little bit stronger. Each time that we do that, this is not about perfection. This is about showing up. Who will pick up the sword and fight during this last hour? I want to ask you guys, young men, 16-year-olds, 20-year-olds, In 24 months, in 36 months, what do you want to be said about you? Women in the faith, mothers who've been in the faith for 10, 20 years, what do you want 2025 to look like for you in the Word? What's important to you? I promise you guys, if you say yes to this right now, the Lord will do a miraculous work in your heart. And he can take a lukewarm boy from Eldorado, Kansas and make him a lover of the word. And he can do it for you. I promise you. So I I hope you guys aren't hearing condemnation in this. I hope you're not hearing any shame or guilt. I hope you can identify with what the Lord is saying through this, that there is gold in this box for you. And the only way for you to get it out is to call upon the name of the Lord and he himself will come and do it to you and through you. The word is so precious. What's important to you? Lord, I pray that you would enable us to see the wondrous things in your word, your law, God. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus. I want you to just take a moment, if you would, just wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, Newly married to him, or you've been in the faith for years and years, decades, wherever you're at in your time in the word, say, Lord Jesus, make me a lover of your word. I pray, Father, for, I'm praying especially for young men in here, Lord, to pick up the sword and to fight. I'm asking for transformation, Lord. Just set your hearts before him if you would. Say, Lord, transform my mind. Let me long for your word in a deeper way. Let me desire it as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you. Blessed is the man, the woman who meditates on your word day and night. Jesus, I want to invite you to think about this with me. Jesus is a classroom and it might be in a seat in your office. It might be a chair in your bedroom. It might be at your kitchen table. But Jesus is the master class instructor. And he has spoken to you or he will speak to you the time that his class starts. I remember for me years ago, he just said 730 in the morning. That's all you need to do. Show up at 7.30. My class for you is from 7.30 to 8.30 in the Word. I want you to show up. That was, for some reason, the hardest thing for me to do as a young 20-year-old guy. But Jesus himself is telling you or he has told you when his master class starts. I just want to ask, will you show up to that class? This is an issue of your will. We give ourselves to what's most important to us. he will unpack the scriptures to you. If you devote yourself to being a student of the word, Jesus himself will make your heart burn inside of you. Will you show up to the class? Would you show up to a one-year class Between March of 22 and March of 23, would you give yourself to showing up to that? I promise you the Lord will change you. He'll set you free.